Welcome to the Kickpod, your weekly DNM on the stuff that matters. Hello. Hello there. We before we start, well, yes, we've already started. Disclaimer. disclaimer: We are sitting. Uh, that was a nice, nice car that effect. zoomed by. We're sitting on the side of a road yeah. in the car. Well, on the side of the road, on the, out the front of our, pod, our podcast, out of our workout filming studio. We're midweek filming the workouts and we're not in our usual it's podcast studio. Week. So yeah, we, we don't even know oh, what it's yeah. <laughs> Anyway, if you hear any abnormal sounds, we are very sorry we're not in the normal podcast studio. This podcast, however, the, the main was chunk recorded. of it was recorded yes. in the studio. So if you're like... Just hold with us. Yeah, Stay yeah. If the audio is bothering you now, just yeah. just hang in there. It gets better from here. <laughs> so how are you, Steffi? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a huge week, um, which has been a lot, but really exciting. Like, it's one of those mm. things that um, it's really tough on our bodies every time we do this, like physically, obviously, doing that many workouts in one week. Um, particularly, I feel like this time around, I didn't really prep my body for it because I was doing like the run program and postpartum and stuff. But it was also really cool to prove to myself that I don't know, I can push myself like mm-hmm. that again because I haven't worked out this hard in a long time. So it was nice to do that. But it was a really busy week. And I got to say, I missed Harvey a lot. Of course. <laughs> How do you feel though? Because he was, he was taking the bottle with Josh and he yeah. was... Yeah, I mean, fine. my emotional state this week versus the other week when <laughs> I spoke about, about burnout um, is a lot better. And I think a huge reason for that is that Josh was just nailing it at home mm. with Harvey. Like he was napping well, he was eating well. So it was, I don't know, it was definitely helping my stress levels. But yeah, this week I'm going to make sure that there's at least a few days where I'm kind of doing next to nothing just to recharge a little bit. Of course. Um, but it's been awesome. We're just guys can't tell you how exciting filming is it's just like the coolest week we get to do it a couple times a year and when we do it's just it's the best week get everyone together so is and the new workouts are you are going to absolutely love them there are some yeah there's lots of new things it's really really exciting we can't (laughs) wait to share them how are you i'm good i'm good i am have to admit i'm a little bit anxious uh our wedding is in just under a week, it's which so is exciting. really ex- yeah. Just over a week, yeah. Not under a week. Not getting married midweek. Um, but it's it's coming up really soon, and I've started to. I've had a few conversations about people like with people where they've said like, oh, like you you can't get COVID, which obviously mm. I'm trying to be as safe as possible. But I just have this like, I don't know. I'm like I'm so excited for it to go ahead, and I wonder if any other brides or people that have like huge things on mm. are feeling this way. Like oh. the worry, even before the kick shoot, I was super worried because it's like. You know, I'm kind of planning for it to go ahead, but there's still like a small chance that it can't. So it's like, how excited can I really get? But anyway, hopefully, fingers crossed, it's all good. I'm manifesting healthy vibes for myself, for Dalton, or everyone coming. Yeah. Uh, But yes, I am. It's it's really crept up on. It does, and it's going to. It's going to just. It's going to feel like tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. It's very exciting. But anyway, that is exciting. Uh, What about? Kick updates. Okay, we have quite a few. We do. So we outside do. of, you know, new workouts coming because yes. we've been shooting, we have some uh, new things coming out. Yeah. And they we've done another collaboration with My Goals. So those of you who might have bought our diaries in the past, we've got diaries now available for pre-order. But we've also got two new products this year. We've got a weekly desk pad kind of to-do list planner yeah it's so it? good it's how you plan out your whole week mm. and you can tick things off i really love it it's one of my favorite things that we brought out and a kick journal which is kind of like if you have 
used my goals um, progress journal before. It is kind of like that, only I kind of helped the team with this one because I got really into journaling earlier in the year. And I don't know, there was something about checking in with myself and kind of writing to myself about my day took me back to like when I was in high school I don't know did you ever keep a diary when you were younger uh, when I was in primary school but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like primary school but there's something really no, nice about nice. reflecting on yeah. your day and so yeah so we've got three products really exciting if you're interested in ordering either the diary the kick journal or the weekly desk pad head to mygoals.com and that's my goals with an I very exciting and also we have our hit challenge which started on Monday so if you didn't sign up on Monday, which is only a few days ago. Don't worry. It is absolutely not too late to, to join at all. We are actually doing today's workout, Cheeky Glutes, <laughs> together over on Zoom at the Kick Party tonight at 6.30pm Australian Eastern Daylight Saving Times. If you would like to sign up, the link will be in the show notes. We would love for you to be there. Yep. And you can try Kick for free at any time with our seven-day free trial. The link is in the Kick bio. It's in the show notes. It's everywhere. You can find it basically in our Instagram bios. And yeah, you can give it a go and try the hit challenge. Five yep. weeks. All you need is 20 minutes, three times a week. Yeah. And all these workouts are brand new. And don't worry, they're not going anywhere. They are going to be in the app to stay. So if you can't, for whatever reason, get onto them as part of the challenge, they will be added to the Masterclass Bank. Exactly right. And then finally, the Australian Podcast Awards. Well, you've got a large chart coming onto us right now. That's okay. <laughs> the Australian Podcast Awards are now open. So if you love listening to high quality audio sound yeah, like the Kick the Pod with, with a track, no. <laughs> um, if you do love listening to us, we honestly, your support of the podcast means the absolute world yeah. to us. Um, we absolutely love doing it for you and producing it every week. And the the reason we're able to is because of all of you. So we can't thank you enough. And we would be so grateful if you would vote for us in the listener's choice award that link will also be in the show notes it's super easy it takes two minutes and you just need to make sure after you vote you have to confirm it by clicking the email sent to your inbox thank you uh in what's it called Ahead in of advance in advance thank you in advance and now for your special share do you have one i do have one yes my special share this week is actually it's a, a recommendation of some quality content people might be missing oh all three of us Oh, I know. Are on TikTok. Oh, no. So we've got a Keep It Cleaner account. We've got Laura on TikTok and I myself are on TikTok. So just in case you guys want, you know, more of us because, like, it's just another. We're so great. Steph and I are really, we're having a midlife crisis, except it's a mid not being cool anymore crisis. We're just having some fun. You we know what? Fun. The quality contents on Keep a Cleaner Squad. So, so we're going to put the links of each of the TikToks are on, in our show notes. Yes, we are. Keep a Cleaner Squad is yep. our Keep a Cleaner You've one. You've got ten thousand TikTok followers now. Steph underscore Claire I... underscore Smith is mine, and Laura dot Henshaw Lucky Duck got the exact same. I did name as the Instagram ones, handle because I'm not famous like you. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want to have a laugh at us, yeah, it's it's really really casual rogue content, and I actually feel like someone was asking me the other day, like, I wish I had like the courage to post on TikTok, and I was like, I literally TikTok feels like another world where like you do need to just, I don't even like yeah. I have no shame on TikTok. Well, that's it. You need to have the courage to make fun of yourself. It's like just a take world, the piss a bit. Well, if, if that's your style, which yeah. is ours, <laughs> that's definitely serious ours. things on there. Oh no. But Anyway, that was a great... Thank you. Thank you for that. No worries. Wow. We now have a shipping truck container to us. That is okay. For me, um, I would love to recommend another podcast. So apart from this podcast, I mean, if you're already listening to it, mm. hopefully you'll continue because mm. this, this is a really special episode, this one. But my recommendation is a new podcast. If you like uh, the podcast with Guy Raz, which is mm. a business podcast, 
podcast. It's called How I Built This. So I love that. It's one of my favorite mm. business podcasts. He interviews like inc- the most incredible, the biggest businesses. He's interviewed their founders. Um, he, it's incredible. But he's now brought out a new podcast called Wisdom from the Top. Mm. And there's an episode with Sarah Rob O'Hagan, which I absolutely loved. She's had an incredible career and there was some in, in marketing uh, specifically. And there was, yeah, she's, it was really, really good to listen to. So I mm. highly recommend. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, now we've got an amazing truck here to help us introduce. Sorry about the truck. It, 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 the truck is literally, a, we wish you could see this. We should take a photo and post it on our story. <laughs> pretty ridiculous. They are literally offloading a container shipping truck. Anyway, so now for this week's podcast chat. So we have got the incredible Danny on the podcast today. They are an incredible human. Mm. You may have followed them on Instagram. Mm. Their handle is Style by Denny. This was a really, really beautiful chat. I'm so mm. shattered you went there, Steffi. I was too. But I now you get too. to listen to it. 100%. I get to listen to it. And they're just like the most amazing soul and energy. So if you don't follow them on Instagram, highly recommend. But yeah, I'm so excited to listen to this chat. We hope you enjoy. Denny, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. It's my pleasure. I'm thrilled to be here. And we are recording in real life, which is, I don't think we've done a guest interview in real life. I don't know. Have you been, how long has it been? It's been like five or six months. Mm. So this is amazing. It's so bizarre that you're not on Zoom (laughs) and it's so nice. Um, I wanted to start by asking you if you could write the copy for your intro. Mm. Every time. So we have already introduced you on the podcast. Course, sure. But I would love to know from your perspective, yeah. if you could write a blurb about yourself, sure. what would you say? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I would say Denny is a 33-year-old Aries. They are obsessed with fashion. Family makes them happier than anything. They have a bit of a penchant for people who break their hearts. So they're getting better at that. <laughs> <laughs> Very heartbroken. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, they've had a bit of a problem of finding the red flags always, but they're learning and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And then I would probably just say the last thing I would say is that they want to leave the world a better place than they found it. Does that make sense? That is amazing. Okay. What an intro. <laughs> Thank you. No worries. <laughs> I love that. And I also want to say the biggest congratulations on your success. I mean, your whole career. You've had an incredible career in magazines and then you left Cosmo, was it 18 months or two? Yeah, it was, it's coming up to nearly three years. It's oh, nearly, been, okay. It's been so much nearly longer three than years I thought, ago. yeah. And you have gone out on your own and the brand that you have created for yourself is just incredible. Mm. What I wanted to ask you, what is, did you think that that was going to happen? Like if you went back to the day that you mm. left Cosmo yeah. and you could see yourself now, what would you think? So firstly, thank you. That's so kind. And it's so funny that you've asked this because um, on the way to your studio, my manager dropped me off and just around the corner from your studio, there is a photographic studio that three years ago when I left Cosmo, I came to Melbourne or came to Geelong and had no idea what I was going to do. Um, And I just emailed every single person and said, you know, I'm happy to assist you. And I assisted on a photo shoot that day. And I remember looking at the stylist with such envy, not jealousy because I was, you know, I'm proud of people, but I was so envious of what she was doing Mm. and I was like, I wish I will get there. I hope I will get there. But I felt really scared that no longer having Cosmo above you, that was really scary. Yeah. So I was petrified and I could never have imagined that this would happen, but also I'm quite spiritual and almost a bit psychic, have been since I was little. 
So whilst I was really scared that this was never going to happen, there was also an understanding deeply inside of me that, of course, it was going to bloody happen because you're going to make it happen, Denny. But it was definitely not something that I set out to do. My plan was come home to Geelong Mm -hmm. for three months, regroup with mum and dad, and then move back to Sydney. That was always the plan. That's not what happened. (laughs) I just have to say, side note, I love your parents. I love following you and I love your mum's fashion stories. And they're just so sweet. Oh, she'll love that. They're the best. They are my anchors. Yeah. yeah it's amazing. Yeah. It's um that's amazing. And I think as well it's interesting because we actually had Alira Potter on the podcast I a few Alira. weeks ago. Yeah, who you did the body shop campaign yeah. with, which was just incredible. Thank you. And she's had incredible growth in her personal brand mm. as well. And it's so interesting speaking to both of you. You both believed in your worth and your worthiness and that you would get there. Mm. And it's so amazing to hear that because I feel like it's, I mean, a lot of us have imposter syndrome and deal with all those things, which I'm sure you do too. All the time. But the fact that you believed in yourself that you could do it is so special. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I think that as a, you know, growing up as a sort of a queer person, um, someone who isn't white, someone who isn't from a rich family, you know, you constantly are really aware of, privilege and a Mm. lack of privilege in your kind of environment. So for me personally, that was always what instilled and drove my work ethic. Like I wanted to be better. I wanted for better. I wanted to do better um, because I saw how hard my parents worked. And my dream is always to, to be able to be so successful that they don't have to work or that I can at least, I don't know, buy my mum the Range Rover that she always... But like always is like, Denny, when am I going to get that? <laughs> and, you know, and I joke, but it's like, the, it's that thing of when you come from a really strong family of workers, my mm. whole family are workers. You just know that you're, you have worth and value because no one else is going to do it for you. You have mm. to do it for yourself. So I credit that to mum and dad always. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Mm-hmm. It's interesting hearing you you talk about that because especially with fashion, mm-hmm. I know, I mean, I am, we said, I said before the mic, I am not a fashionista. Oh, <laughs> just, you look gorgeous today. I just, thank you. <laughs> but even for me, because I, I found I had a similar-ish upbringing in mm-hmm. that, I mean, the, what my mum taught me, especially about if you want something, you have to work for yeah. it. Hard work is so important. I'm so grateful for that lesson. But also... With fashion specifically, I always felt that because, and I mean, even growing up when you, before you could even, I mean, when could you start? I started working, I was 14 and nine months or whatever yeah, it was. Same. Yeah, same. As soon as I yeah, could do yeah, it, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. get me the job. Yeah. But up until that point, I had, and I didn't really even care about fashion, but I just had this huge insecurity that like, because I feel like with class, fashion is can be such a class divider sometimes mm-hmm. because you can't so have the things and then it, I now it's so funny I think back to some experiences that I've had like even my first time one of the first times I attended fashion week I remember I loaned a dress mm. because everyone at fashion week looks like you know absolutely incredible but then I didn't like couldn't get shoes and I ended up wearing some old sneakers that I had and someone really close to me made a comment like oh that's a really interesting look like why did you and I was like oh my god I feel so small and I feel so shit oh but it was one of those things that was like it took me back to Mm. that memory of me being a kid in like on casual clothes day and being like I have to wear my pipe like I'm obviously was I had clothes I don't you know I shouldn't but I have to wear my piping hot out whatever it was that Mm -hmm. the brand that came out that I wore last time and like all my friends had new clothes from sports girl and I always thought back to that and it's funny even now I sometimes like it comes back to me same that's, oh my God, Laura, everything you've just said. So my biggest issue with the fashion industry, mm. 
because it's so hard when you love something. Like as a kid, like I just loved fashion, right? I knew nothing about labels or how much things cost mm. or um, this kind of real sense of elitism that mm. reeks through the fashion industry. I knew none of that. I just loved clothes. When you become then a worker in that industry and you start to see that and you start to see those fashion week environments, the way that translates in offices and corporate spaces, you're like, we're not in high school anymore, guys. Like, what's going on here? And it's really hard. I still mm. always say, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm wearing, whether I'm sitting in the front row or whether I'm standing at the back row, I'm always like just Denny from Geelong and I genuinely mm. mean that. And I, that's both a blessing and a curse because mm. <clears throat> it's a blessing in that I, I really pride myself on that my family are all very grounded and we lead by empathy rather than ego but it can be a curse because then the imposter syndrome that you speak of, you know, you're standing there in, I don't know, your Zara outfit and this person's in like a Balenciaga outfit and you're like, oh, it always, I always think of that scene in Sex and the City when Carrie says, you know, I'm the penis implants and Natasha's like the New York Times, like Sunday pages. That was me. I worked at Cosmo. We were, you know, we were branded as like the sex magazine. So like I finally had the dream job, but it wasn't really that thing because then you get to fashion week and the Vogue and the Harper's girls are there and you feel this small mm. and that can really fuck with your head. It, yeah, it's crazy. Mm. It, it's and it's funny now, even now, like I have such a – and I wonder what your relationship is like with yeah. it, with designer items because mm-hmm. now I'm in a very, very – like I'm so lucky to be in the financial position that I'm in, that I'm in now that yes, if, you know, if I wanted to, to buy something – Thank you, thank <laughs> you. If I wanted to buy like a designer bag, I could. But it, it's funny. And I, I have I have like a few of them, but I which I feel very grateful for. Mm. But sometimes I just have such a funny relationship with it. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I just can't wear them or I just I can't I, I can't bring myself to purchase it because then I feel this guilt that like mm. I have this and I would never want anyone else to feel like mm-hmm. because they don't they're inadequate and mm. I just I, it's 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 so and I wonder if you've ever so uh, we have similar yet different relationships with this so look you know I don't have quite the empire the kick do, oh. but we're getting there. We're getting there, and and I'm and I'll be completely honest okay, with I that. I can't go and buy a thousand designer bags. I'm not. Saying that. No, no, no. But you know, the last two years of my life, and I and I feel really comfortable saying this. Like two years ago, two and a half years ago, before I um, started doing content creation the way I do now, I had to loan money from a friend to buy a ticket to like the Mardi Gras after party, for example. Now I'm in a situation where I can spend, you know, a little bit more money on a, a nice handbag if I wanted yes. to. So as a lover of fashion, I love fashion as art. So I look at a bag and a design or whatever and, you know, I'm buying into the history of that brand or the, the craftsmanship of that mm. product less so than because it's got some flashy logo on it. So my uncomfortability comes with this. When you wear those things, people no, people notice them and they ask you about them and they mention them. So you, especially with um, fa- families and friends, you'll go to someone's house for drinks and they'll be like, oh, Denny, fancy shoes. How much were they? And I instantly just want to die because mm. I'm like, that's not why I bought them. And it does make me really uncomfortable because, again, I don't want anyone to feel no one should feel like they are less than because of the label that mm. is on a piece of clothing. Like that's just silly. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. And I always try to kind of be very discreet about things unless they're like a, a hot pink pair of shoes yeah. that I'm not discreet <laughs> at all. Love those then it's shoes. really hard. But I think for the most part, um, yeah, I just try to be really chill about it. Cause just because I have a nicer handbag than you doesn't make me 
in no. any way, shape or form. Happier, more successful, nothing. All of that stuff is on a spectrum, you know? I think that's so important. And for anyone listening, I know especially now on social media, I mean, when I was working part-time at a pizza restaurant, I mm. think I was earning like, I don't know, $15 an yeah, hour or something wage. like that. And I look at younger, you know, people now that are on social media and they're buying designer brands and like maybe you never know you never know like if they was a gift or whatever but I just I hope there's so much pressure on young people these days with social media and comparison that you know they need these items to be enough or be mm-hmm. worthy or to be happy as you said and, and I love what you just said that you don't need that mm-hmm. to be worthy or happy or any of those mm-hmm. things I don't know how they do it I thank god I think we're a similar age I'm 33 how old are you 20 turning 29 okay yeah so we I think both grew up in um high school where there was no Instagram or anything Thing like that. Yeah. I didn't have that. I right? did MySpace. Yeah, MySpace. Yeah, okay, yeah. so MySpace happened a year after I graduated. Okay. okay, so I never had to really like have that daily um, social media comparison mm. of what other people all over the world are wearing. For me, it was very much just like, what are the kids at school wearing? And I can't afford that thing. Oh, boohoo. But then I would go home and I'd be fine because I wasn't reminded of it constantly. Mm. How kids do it today is beyond me. How their parents do it, beyond me. Because you're right, not only do their friends buy the fancy stuff. They have the Kylie Jenners and the Hailey Biebers of the world like in their face or not even like Addison Ray and all of those TikTok people, yes. you know, who are just making it rain in all the logos and I am so glad I didn't grow up in that time. So whoever is growing up during that time and is listening, just be yourself. You don't have to keep up with the Kardashians. Mm. You really don't. That's the, and I mean, Addison Ray is literally on she's, the show. Yeah, so I know. She she's is. the new gen of that. Yeah. You know, that's the flock of it because yeah. we used to watch TV shows and magazines and I used to get my fashion inspiration from like Nicole Richie and Lindsay Lohan and all of those girls at the time, but I, they weren't in my hand. I had to watch TV and I could disconnect. Whereas kids these days, they can't disconnect. It's always in their hand. Mm, it's 100%. a little bit frightening. It is. Oh, it's so yeah. scary. And I love also with what you do, you always share – affordable options as well. I uh, think that's Babes, amazing. I love a bargain. But that's what you – and, and you, that's amazing because I know – and I just – yeah, for people listening, like if you have to buy – like I remember up until maybe when I was – can't remember what age, but maybe up until about 21. Mm. I Actually, for my 21st birthday, I bought myself a dress from Manning Cartel and that Ooh, was like the fancy. most expensive dress I'd ever bought for myself totally. in my life. But kind of up until that point, I used to shop at Sports Girl, used mm. to have a discounted section. And yeah, then, I know Which it. they have, yeah. yeah. And well, they still have it, of yeah, course. They do, yeah. And then they do an extra like 50% off and mm. that was the only time I would buy stuff because, you know, I was working part-time at uni and all those things. So I just for anyone listening that's feeling that you know mm. that feeling of social media and comparison yeah just know that it's not mm. you don't need to live this life of nope. Addison Ray. you don't exactly <laughs> so now back to you okay that was a great, <laughs> so, this has been such a gorgeous <laughs> chat by the way I could, this is stunning so your journey I would love to know with between the time when you left Cosmo and then up to where you're at now sure. what what has it been like and for people thinking you know like I want to take a like I, I believe that I can be doing something different to what I'm doing now and I want to believe in myself more mm. what would you say to them sure so I remember Laura that the maybe four months after Cosmo folded when Cosmo closed it was like worse than any breakup that was the biggest broken heart Denny has mm. ever had it was a death and um, it was really, really hard because my identity was so attached to that job. But when I came home, um, it was a bit of a weird closure in that the license for the brand Cosmopolitan was still like up for tender. And I remember we heard that as we were leaving the building 
And I said to my dad one day, I wish I had the money, dad. I would buy the license myself and I would revive Cosmo. Is, do you know how I much I wouldn't even like- know. I don't, wouldn't even know. But I knew that that's why we never got to have like a final issue because it was like, it might come back. So we were like, oh, okay. Well, can someone please bring it back? Anyway, so I said to my <laughs> you have $500 dad, million yeah, dollars or dollars, whatever it is. You've got the money, yeah. So I said to my dad one day, I want to buy Cosmo. And he was like, Denny, you don't need to buy Cosmo. Make your own Cosmo. And when he said that, I was like, it changed everything. This flippant comment that he probably forgets even saying. And I was like, okay, he's right. I have this thing in my hand. I have a voice, uh, slightly croaky today, um, but I have a voice and it's, I know it's strong and I believe in it. And growing up, my idol was Oprah. So my biggest uh, sort of passion in life is storytelling. And I was like, let's tell stories. So this all coincided with us going into lockdown, the first ever lockdown, so I was like, I'm going to take to my phone and just use Instagram as a, like a publishing tool. This is a magazine now and it will be snippets of everything, your home life, you know, food, sex, alcohol, doesn't matter. Like it's a cocktail guide. It's a how to do your makeup, but it's also like, let's talk about depression and, and eating disorders and whatever. And it really resonated with people more so than I could have even expected. Simultaneously to that, I came out as non-binary. So I came out to my family and friends first And then I took about two and a half months to come out online. And when I came out as non-binary, that changed everything because suddenly there was this moment in my life where I could be myself. Because when I was at that studio around the corner from your office three years ago, I used to look at the stylist and be like, how can I be more like them? Because I always felt this imposter syndrome. See, Mm. it all comes back to this, what we're saying earlier. So in that moment, I was like, well, this is me. This is who I am this is all I want to be and it's all I can be. And that's when everything changed. And, you know, if you look at, I like to look at my sort of work as if it's not me, as if it's like an editor editing someone's work. So when I look at the body of my work in the last 18 months, that growth has been exponential and it all started when I came out as non-binary. So to me, what I would tell anyone listening is that the best thing you can do for yourself as a person first and foremost, but then to any kind of, you know, budding business owners and entrepreneurs listening is live your truth. The second you step into your truth and you stop looking around you, you know, it's important to know what people are doing to the left and to the right, but stick to your guns. And whenever I hear anyone successful, whether it's, I don't know, Steve Jobs or, you know, Chris Jenner talking about their, their work, it's that. Mm. They stick to their guns. They know what they're doing. McDonald's is not trying to be KFC. It's McDonald's. So believe in your McDonald's. <laughs> believe in that chicken nugget, honey, because <laughs> we've all got one inside of us somewhere. And what about, what if you're scared? Were you scared oh my to God, come out? Were you worried about? Petrified. Petrified. But, you know, there are two things that I think are often thieves of joy in our life, mm. and it's comparison mm. and fear. You know, what if, what if, what if. Coming out as non-binaries or, or any kind of, you know, sexuality or gender or maybe it's you're getting divorced, maybe it's you're leaving, um, you know, a job that you don't like anymore. Those crossroads moments are really hard and they're, and they're not easy at all and they're full of fear and comparison. But I believe that until you step into that, you're, you're living, you're giving like a disservice to yourself. Mm-hmm. The way I compare it is that you're living with the light switches off instead of on, right? So no matter how scared you might be, I promise you, you're stronger than mm-hmm. you know. But for sure, you know, I was very lucky. I've got parents that adore me unconditionally. So whilst it was really hard when I first came out, I knew that they had my back. 
And I knew that if they couldn't get over it, I would still be happy. So it all comes back to you. It's self-love. You know, the relationship that we have with ourselves is the single most important relationship we have. Mm. You know, you have oh, to I wake, love that. Well, you have to wake up with yourself every mm. day and go, I love Laura. Mm. Doesn't matter if your husband does or doesn't matter if this person does or, oh, no, I, you know, insulted mum the other day. If you don't love Laura, no one's going to love Laura. Mm. It's so true. And mm. it just, I mean, it's just thinking that you imagine if you didn't and mm. you you lived with the, you know, with your light off totally. for, you know, the next 20 years. And this is where I think vulnerability is just so, mm. it can be such a powerful thing. And so many people are scared of it. And that's normal and that's okay. But when you don't live your true self, mm. you're right. Who are you living for? Mm. Like, are you going to, like, I always think to this and it's such a, silly way of thinking mm. about it but like at your funeral do you Babe. really want your family to be like she was this when like you weren't that like what 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 are you living for oh my gosh we are so insane today <laughs> it's wild okay there is this drake lyric where he says everybody dies but not everybody lives mm. and i always think of that lyric because i am sort of fortunately or unfortunately have experienced death at a young age a lot when I was very young, my uncle died when he was 17, just died in his sleep. Um, my best friend died at schoolies. He drowned in a rip. Another one of my friends, when I was 23, took his own life. So I know that life is precious. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Um, but all of those things, all of those people that left for whatever reason, they were lessons to me that mm. life is precious. And also it's not infinite. So when you are standing at that person's funeral, I didn't say... Oh, Paul graduated. I didn't even know what degree my friend yeah. graduated. I don't know that he was a good person and that he loved me and that he was generous and that he was kind and that he was honest, mm. you know. So no matter who you are, it's quite sobering and also very, like, grounding to know that you go into that ground just like anyone else. doesn't matter how much money is in your bank account, mm. you know. And if you're not living in your truth, it's a waste of your life. Like, how so sad. True. And it doesn't matter what your body looks like. No, no one's going to say anything about that. Then we go, oh my gosh, she lost so much weight before her <laughs> wedding. Thank God. <laughs> like, no. Exactly. I don't care about that yeah. stuff. Like, yeah, this is being really good because it kind of, it's a reminder to myself. Mm, you need it. You, I, we you, all need You need it, it all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that, I mean, it's like with confidence, you don't just get to a point, and we always talk about this at, mm. at Kick, that you don't get to a point where you're like, I am confident. No. And then it's like, goodbye. Nope. Or like, I feel good about my body every single day. Nope, no. It's nope. all a journey and you come in and out of things. I, I would love to know in the past, so since you came out yeah. as non-binary and your light switched on, yeah. what have you learnt the most about yourself? Oh, wow. I've learnt that... Um, I've learned that my intuition is never wrong. And I've also learned that ever since I came out as non-binary, I would say that I am now the closest to little Denny that I've ever been. So I don't know if any of your listeners are very are familiar with sort of a trauma healing and trauma therapy, but I've done a lot of therapy in my time. And when you do any kind of healing, especially if you've come out of abusive relationships or these sorts of things you do um, like it's called inner child work right so we all have an inner child um, because really all of our psyche is developed in like the first four years of our life and often you, you become further and further away from your inner child the older you get and that's really sad so when I came out as non-binary suddenly I was like picking up the lip gloss and putting the heels on and dancing around the kitchen and doing all these things that made little Denny so happy. And Mm. somewhere along the line, I'd let the world like push little Denny into a closet. 
So I, so I learned, I, th- I would say the biggest thing I learned um, coming out as MB was, you know, you always had it, Denny. Like you always had it. Mm. Yeah. You should back yourself Oh, more. that's so special. And, mm. and how do you feel about the people who you have empowered to turn their light on? How does that make you feel when like you've, it actually makes me emotional because you make Same. such an impact <clears throat> on people's lives. But all those people that have been living, you know, not who they are and you have helped them be them. How does that make you feel? You're going to make me cry as well. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's incredible. No, it's, thank you. Um, oh, okay, regroup. It's very overwhelming, I'm, mm. I won't lie, because it does, it does really tug at your heartstrings because, you know, you just wake up and you live your life and then, sure, you have this job that's kind of like front-facing and you're in people's, like, hands every day. And then you go to bed and you just whatever, you wake up and you do the same thing the next day. But then you wake up one day and someone sends you a message and they say, you know, because of you, my trans child came out or, you know, because of you, I came out to my parents. I actually got a message this morning from my girlfriend who's a teacher who her student came out to her this morning as non-binary. And one of the first things that she did was say, you should go follow my friend on Instagram, blah, 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 blah. Those things I do not take for granted for a second um, because I had people who, without them even realising, guided me to turn my lights on. Mm. Um, you know, if it wasn't for people like Sam Smith and Courtney Act and Nico Tortorella for coming out as non-binary and being so public about it, that I would have, I don't think I would have been out as quickly as mm. I have come out kind of thing. So if I could be even like a smidgen to someone as to what those people were to me, I mean, that's really job done. You know, at the start of this, I said that I just want to leave the world better than it was. Mm, so You already have. Right, oh, thanks, <laughs> darling. It's really, it's really nice. It, it's overwhelming and I mm. sometimes don't even know how to, you know, I try not to think about it too much, but it is. it has become something that is um, beautifully and fortunately like a daily thing that I'm reminded of by this beautiful community of people that follow me or see me in the supermarket and it's so nice and, I, yeah, I really, it means a lot. It's incredible. Thank you. It's, you've already made a huge impact and you, you're just getting started. Ah, so, it's, so what is your – and I think also to start with, this is something that I find really important is mm-hmm. when a lot of the guests that we have on this podcast and even with people listening that might think things of Steph and I, like we're always confident and it just comes naturally to us and I, I don't think it actually comes naturally to everyone Mm-mm. or maybe a few people but most people you really have to mm-hmm. show up and, yeah. you know, put yourself out there. What is your relationship and I suppose the journey – you've had with confidence been like? Yeah, it's funny because um, people often say to me and especially like um, romantic partners will often say to me, Denny, you're so confident. And I'm like, really, am I? Because I'm not inside, I can tell you that. But I think that for me, my relationship with confidence is that when you are little and when you are, you know, the gay flamboyant one at school, you get bullied a lot. So you can do one of two things. You can either really um, sort of give in to that um, which there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to sort of shame anyone, but you can lean into that and withdraw mm. or you can take it in your stride and build like an armor around you, which is also, by the way, not super healthy. You've got to find a happy medium. So for me, I did that. I never let anyone see me cry. I never let my parents see me cry. My parents had no idea that I was bullied until they came to parent teacher interview. And my teacher was like, your son gets bullied every single day. And they came home and they were like, what are you talking about? So I developed a really thick skin um, and never let it get to me, or at least I didn't let people see how much it got to me. Of course it got to me. I used to write a diary as a kid and would, like, cry into my diary every night. 
So I think it's a little bit of like, for me, confidence has been a bit fake it till you make it. I, that is, that's right? what I live by. <laughs> fake it till you make what it. I live so by. it's like, you know, when I think about the first time I put on a pair of heels, I had no idea what I was doing, but I was like, I'm going to walk in these heels come hell or high water and I can run in heels now. So it's just a little bit fake it till you make it. Now at the age of 33, buckle yourself in because turning 30 changes everything. As soon as I turned 30, I felt I became more like in awe of and proud of this vessel, the spirit that's inside of this vessel, all of it. To a point where now I, I think I have a really healthy amount of confidence that side saddles all the insecurities mm. in the world. As I was saying to you before we got on the mic, you know, my jeans are really tight today. I had a chicken burger for lunch. I have a very complicated relationship with food and my body. So it's like half of me is like, oh, you shouldn't have ate that burger. Mm. And then the other half of me is like, YOLO, life's too short. Like who cares? You ate the burger, get over it, go buy some bigger jeans after this meeting. So, you know, it's, it's constant. It's, mm. it's not linear. And no one wakes up confident. Absolutely no mm. one. I love I love the fake it till you make it. Yeah, you just got to pretend. Because <laughs> you, you do. And then because you, no then you start gonna, to believe it. People, but then other people will believe it because, mm. you know, and it's like I always use this example that if it's so simple, but if you go to a job interview and mm. you don't believe that you are good enough to be there, how on earth yep. is the person across from you going to believe mm-hmm. that? And I think it's something that, you know, especially women do it in the workplace a lot a and lot. they – we often undermine ourselves and, you know, we won't apply for a job unless we can do 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. criteria. But it's not it, – it, I don't know why that is, but mm. we, ha- we feel like we have to be overqualified and, you know, we're not good enough to be there. But I, I think it's faking it to – and you're not – it's not fake, it's not lying. No. It's just, you know, bringing your confidence up, 100%. which everyone else is doing anyway. Um, I'm going to give you this anecdote. It might be um, – I don't know if it will be like – kick appropriate, but I think they'll enjoy it. <laughs> so when I worked in fashion, we used to often say that a big part of what you do as a stylist is your every season, you just roll shit in glitter because every season, a pair of shoes is a pair of shoes. Yeah. They don't really change that much, but you kind of roll them in glitter and suddenly it's like, you need this shoe this season. So, you know, essentially that's what you've got to do with yourself every day. You wake up and you might feel like shit. You've had the worst sleep. You're feeling sick. Your kids are keeping you up all night. You know, you know, your body's not the same as it was when you met your husband five years ago. It's fine. Just throw some glitter on. And what I mean by that is you have to give yourself the glitter. You have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, I'm proud of you. We've got this. And even if you don't believe it, the more you believe it, the more you say it, you call this out to the universe. And then you suddenly, you're attracting this confidence. Mm. So just keep rolling that shit in glitter. I think that is very key. <laughs> okay, I <great>. love that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's fantastic. And what about, uh, you touched before on insecurities that you have. Mm. It's interesting to hear, and I, I know I've heard you speak about it on social media, which yeah. I think it's you're so generous with all of the vulnerabilities in your exactly. life that you share. But how do you, because you still show up, you still, you know, put on these amazing outfits and do your dancing and, and you do all of those things. And it's interesting, like when I found out that you'd had, you'd been through kind of disordered eating mm-hmm. at some points, I was surprised because you show up mm. and you show who you really are. How, how do you get past that? Like, how mm. do you overcome your insecurities? And I mean, when I say mm. overcome, it's not, we, as we always talk about, it is not an end point. Correct. They yep. come back. Mm-hmm. But how do you, I suppose, push them to the back of your mind? Yeah, it's it's like a real combination of things. I think my, the biggest thing that I – okay, the thing I most value is, is what I should say really 
is my spirituality. And mm. um, so when I say that, you know, I have a really strong kind of internal compass and like a core that I speak to every day, constantly, all day, every day. And that thing inside of me is almost like a separate entity, it feels like often. So whenever we're going through a tough time, I just have a little chat with them. In those moments of, you know, which by the way, are moments that normally aren't inflicted by myself. Like if you think about this, I was thinking about this recently. If we didn't have mirrors, okay, and if we didn't have sizes on clothes yeah. and and scales, um, how would we determine our external versus internal value? We wouldn't really because, you know, yeah, it's quite an interesting thought when you're like, okay, wait, if I could never see myself, I would just float around the world being pretty happy. Like I would eat that chicken without any guilt, right? So you have to kind of have these moments where you go inward and you go, okay, why are you unhappy? So for me, I never feel bad about myself until I'm made to feel that way, right? And that can be as simple as scrolling through my Instagram and seeing someone with like a better body body than me. And I'm like, oh, great. Like the amount of like sort of muscle gaze I unfollowed during lockdown because I was like, you are not helping my mental health. I'm setting a boundary. So I would say for me, the way that I navigate those insecurities and managing them and still showing up is A, giving enough empathy and kindness to myself to be like, hey, you're only human. Sure, you had a six-pack three years ago, but that's fine. That was three years ago. Live in the present, mate. Like, what are you doing with your life? Um, And then B, I always do, I must say, my community um, really holds me accountable more so than they even realise because I think, wait a second, this, this community is a blessing. I'm, I feel very fortunate to have it. So if I feel this way, it's likely at least 10% of my audience will feel the same way. So let's feel that way together. Mm-hmm. And so often I will go, you know, I, cause I would look at photos of myself and be like, Oh, there's a role there. There's a role there, but I don't believe in face tune or any of those things. So I'm like, no, Denny, just upload the photo. It's a, who cares? It's a photo for fuck's sake. People will either like it or hate mm. it. And then every time I've, I, I would hit post and I would be like, Hey, actually here's a story about how I, you know, starved myself for like six months while I was a student in Paris. Those are the stories that instantly click through because people want to resonate with other people. So that holds me super accountable. Mm. Yeah. And even if I feel shit about myself, it's pretty nice to have like an army of people going like, slay queen. hundred <laughs> percent. I'm like, thank you. I really appreciate that. I really need to hear that today. It is. It's one of those things. It's funny with Instagram because obviously it can be the thief of, you know, oh, joy and, and all of those 100%. things. But I've also found about maybe it would have been, it was before Keep It Cleaner and it kind of even maybe eight years ago or something mm. when Instagram kind of first started and I was modeling, I used Facetune and I'm so embarrassed mm. that I used it. But no, I babes, used it because- We've all done those things. Because I felt like I had to show this version of myself mm. online and it was so stupid because like to be completely honest I wasn't even good at modeling like you know <laughs> you just it's a fashion industry you know you it is you're yeah. either good or you're not you yeah, know sure, you're the okay. look or you're not the look I was not the look <laughs> okay. only like eight people were sick then I was the look anyway but I I held so much of my worth in that and mm. I used to be like it's so silly I am so privileged my mum is exactly the same body shape as mm-hmm. me I'm, I'm I'm a size eight you know mm-hmm. I size eight white woman I have so much privilege and I still felt like like I have really normal looking arms. There's nothing wrong with my yeah. arms. Eight years ago, I thought I had the worst arms. They were so big. Every photo, I couldn't see any anything mm-hmm. else. And when it took me to stop face tuning them and stop worrying. And now I don't even, like it's crazy back then I would look at a photo and that's all I could see. Mm-hmm. And now I don't I don't edit anything. I just, it also saves me a lot of time. Totally. It's really fantastic. Totally. <laughs> it's really great. Mm-hmm. But I, I can put something out there and 
the, the thing is when I first, I think it maybe it was about five years ago when we first, Steph and I first, and I was still at this fear that like, oh, people are going to judge me and think mm. I'm ugly and then they're not going to like think that I'm enough, which is so mm-hmm. stupid because our worth is not in the way that we mm. look. But I put a photo out there and it was it was back, I think it's changed a lot. It was a, an unflattering photo. It was back now, I think there's a, I'm not sure my, what my relationship now is. You know those photos where it's like um, I people stand up and then they roll yes, over we and we were they, talking about that in the car. Yep. That so we when when we first when I first posted that was about it was before well not that I started it absolutely not I'm not no, saying no, no, that but, but it was, it was before the, the there was all of, of that yeah. exactly right and I wasn't doing it to be like oh, I can make rolls if I you no. know do that but it was it was received really well in that when I posted it mm. nothing happened no. I didn't get like I didn't lose I didn't have any jobs to lose so like what was I even <laughs> worried about but nothing and I just I think I don't know what the heck I was worried about but I had so much fear of showing mm. like my real self and putting something out there and my like the amazing community being like cool like no like this doesn't make you any less worthy like that for me was so enlightening and Mm. I now like literally don't even worry about it I don't even think about it and I can I've totally been able to kind of disconnect my worthiness from the way that I look Mm -hmm. which again I'm very privileged to you know be in the body that I am but it's it's been a journey Mm -hmm. and you can get there but I think when you get sucked into you know feeling like you have to edit yourself and all those things it's it's so hard and especially when you spend so for me when you spend five years working at Cosmo which by the way, Cosmo was incredible in comparison to, say, a high fashion magazine. Mm. But still, all of our photos are retouched. You know, all of them were, uh, you know, plucked and prodded and everything is styled to within an inch of its life. You know, Steph's been on Cosmo shoots before. It's there. It's a high production, yes. right? When you're used to that level of perfection, you kind of get a bit brainwashed. Mm. I remember there was one specific cover where we took – you know, I don't know, say a thousand photos of a celebrity and we took, you know, the head, her head looked really well in that frame, but her body looked really well in that frame and we just went... Put it together. Yeah. And that's very common, by the way. It's commonplace in magazines. Um, you get, you become used to that because mm. actually kind of fucked up. Isn't <laughs> so, it? So, you know, um, so now you kind of think, well, how lucky um, that we have the control as, as media turns digital... It's, again, it's a blessing and a curse because we can either use it for good or for bad. We can either, fa- you know, someone, one of my cousins showed me recently how Facetune actually works. Oh, the new one. Oh is my god, like you can change everything. Everything. I was like, babe, people don't even look like and this. And it's easy. That's what's scary. It's, it's really, really scary. easy to Anyone do can it use now. It. My mum could use it. Yeah. It's so easy. So that's where I just think, well, I feel like, so, you know, in full transparency, the only apps I use on my photos is an app called Lightroom to like editing the color, for filters. The, yeah, the, yeah. The All lighting, about filters yeah, and lighting yeah. and colors. I'm a aesthetic you person. Have a I work in fashion. Yes. Thank you. That's the thing. But never, ever would I ever alter my body because I just think, A, for me, it's not good mm. because then I'll look at that and yes. I go, fuck, I look so much better like that. I'm going to become addicted to this thing. B, you can't put that out into the world. You're mm. informing the minds of so many people. So, yeah, it's quite a nuanced topic. Oh, it's like it an is. episode in and of itself. It is. <laughs> I remember um, uh, when I, f- I got my first job, like, with a good client yeah. modelling and they, when the photos came out, and that they were the best client I ever worked with. And when mm. the photos came out, they made my nose really small. Mm. And I saw those photos and I was like, because you, when you're in the model, you're just conditioned. Totally. And I was kind of like, okay, well, my nose 
is then too big and that's mm. okay because like it looks better the yep. way that they did it and then I developed this complex about it mm. you know and it was like that wasn't even in my control no and I look back now and like if I use it one of the main reasons I well obviously I don't I don't use filters like the ones that change your face because yes. I think it's misleading and I just don't want people to always think that you need to change totally. and also I mean they're called like beautiful face so does that mean I don't have a beautiful Correct. face before Off I like completely change it also I don't really suit it I look like really strange <laughs> you know when some people look really good some I'm like this really is not me <laughs> okay but yeah it's just it's a, it's so dangerous. Mm, agreed. Um, and it's so important to anyone listening, just make sure that you are being, you know, like, because people, some people have fun with filters and mm-hmm. that's, you know, it is what it is. It's sure. fine. I have no judgment over no it. Judgment. But it's just know when you're following them that, mm. you know, they don't look like that. Correct. So don't put pressure on you to look like mm. that. Mm-hmm. So now, last question. Go. I would love to talk to you about self-love. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that mm. word? Self-love is so interesting because as a term – um, it's been like attached to my hip because of the body shop campaign, which to mm. this day it has been my most proud accomplishment, right? Um, in terms of from my professional career, it's just that was incredible and I'm so grateful to have been in that campaign and, and, and part of the body shop family. But it's interesting to have seen that word evolve over the last 18 months and it's become a buzzword, so because and it's really funny because I remember talking about this on set that day. Self care used to be a buzzword, and everyone was kind of just like, "Yeah, self care, like put on a mask." That's actually not what self care yes. is at all. Self love has now become this buzzword, where it's like, "Well, you know, you got to give yourself some love." And is that running a bath? Like, so I think that I love the term self love because at its core, it's a beautiful term. It's to love yourself, but we need to define the meaning. Because I, I don't like the idea of, of especially um, corporates just <laughs> slapping that onto the banner of everything for the next twelve years. Because makes them more money. Uh huh. <laughs> and and it, you're making money off people's insecurities. Yeah. Whereas what was so beautiful about the Body Shop campaign was that it truly was this campaign that just celebrated self love. Mm-hmm. There was not it was not a product led campaign whatsoever. Alira and I didn't hold a single piece of Body Shop product during the you know, duration of that campaign. It was all about loving yourself and sitting in the shadows and doing the work and doing the healing. So when I, when self-love is framed in that way, I'm here for it because it's, it's so important. And as I said earlier, I would say it's the single most important thing, that relationship you have with yourself. It's so important. Mm. Mm. I love that. I have one more question. Is Go, that okay? Please, just yeah, came to me. <laughs> I could sit here and talk to you all day. Judgment mm. from others. Mm. How do you, especially from, because mm. I mean with social media, you open yourself up to yeah. every judgment in the world that <clears throat> people can access you at any time. That's, I suppose, one of the worst things about it. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you deal with it? Yeah, I'm getting better at it. So when it first started, because to put it into perspective for your audiences, like when I worked at Cosmo, I had a decent amount of following. I, I couldn't even tell you the number. It was maybe like six or 7,000 people, which is still, you know. It's a rel- lot. It's a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But that was like a that point of my life was Instagram as a CV. Here's this new shoot I did in Cosmo and then a few little things from my private life. When I switched to this content creation world, then I really was like, oh, wait a second. Like people look at everything you do, everything you say. What are you eating? Is it vegan? Is it thingy? Is it this? Is it that? And like you start to be held accountable for so many things that you never had to get used to before. All of those surface level things, they don't bother me. Um, if, you know, if someone is offended because I'm drinking, I don't know, 
an alcoholic drink and they might be a sober person. Like I'm like, let's have a conversation about that. Or if someone, so you have a conversation with them. Absolutely. Oh, that's nice. If someone's offended, you know, I, when people take time to message me and I can see that there's pure intention there, I do my very best to respond because mm. often, you know, in the past, it's actually been a topic of discussion in the last two weeks. People will say to me, why do you keep promoting Kmart? You know, it's such a fast fashion brand. And I'm like, no, but let's talk about that. Let's talk about how privileged it is to be sustainable. Let's talk about also how incredible Kmart is doing at the moment in that they're dedicating a whole vertical of their business to sustainability. But you don't know that because you just ride them off as a fast fashion brand. Like let's have nuanced conversations. That is such yeah. a good – and that comes back to what we were talking about at the start. Yeah. I feel the same way when any like fa- mm-hmm. the cheaper thing that might be from a fast fashion store, I'm yeah. like I have such a funny relationship with it because, because I'm like, well, it's – yeah, it's that's the landfill, what we could which afford is what you're saying, we but little, that's exactly right. Like know? imagine if all like – and a sustainable thing sometimes $300. Exactly and like, right. It, it's a privilege to be able to buy them. Correct. Yeah. So those sorts of – those sorts of um, – that commentary, I'm always happy to like indulge in and let's converse. But when someone's messaging you, telling you to kill yourself or saying that you're what's wrong with the world or that I'm trying to steal the identity of women, when I worship the ground that women work walk on, that's really hurtful. Mm. And that took me some time to get used to. It's weird that it's something that I even need to get used to, but it is because it's inevitable. So at first it was really hard. I would like go into bed almost autopilot for about three hours I don't, I'm not a really huge crier. It takes a lot to make me cry. But I would just sit there and, like, you know, dwell on it. Now I actually take that and I've sort of learned this from other trans creators that I really admire. And I go, okay, this is actually a moment for education because this is also coming from a place of deep hurt. Hurt people hurt other people. So True. the reason why this person is angry at me says more about them than me. How do we take this and use it as a moment of education? So now that's how I approach them. But I will say, like, I did this massive campaign with Kmart recently and it was such a highlight for me because I've, I've got huge um, love for that brand and I've shopped there since I was little with my mum. The, the comments on this one reel that I did for them, you know, this is what's wrong with the world. I will never shop there again. You know, what's wrong with you people? Why would you put a man in a dress? Blah, blah, blah. Was that blah. on Kmart's page? Yeah, on Kmart socials. And stupid Denny, I should, you, you know, read them? I did, of course yeah. I did. And because it's hard not to. Yeah, it is, isn't it? You know, it's about you. Um, they're really hard, but it gets easier and easier, I will say. It's just about reframing it and going, okay, what's the bigger issue at hand here? How do we use this as a moment to educate? But it's mm. hard. Yeah, 100%. It is. Also, you influenced me to buy a orange, a beautiful orange jumper. Oh, the Kmart. orange jumper. Yeah, you it got so it. Good. It's the best. So that's a perfect <laughs> yeah, example. No. That is made out of recycled plastic. Yeah, amazing. So instead of it going into landfill and, you know, becoming, you know, worse, yes. they, they've really upped their ante with, with sustainability. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, lo- I'm glad you loved that. that I loved nice. it. Yeah. And I, I love I love the way that you speak about it. And I think for anyone listening that might feel, because I, I know you spoke about before guilt. Like we always mm. have this guilt about things all yeah. the time. And there's so much. It's good that we as a society have so much more awareness. 100%. It's extremely important. But at the same time, there's also so much more we can feel bad for and guilty mm-hmm. for. And so if, you, if your financial position that you're in, mm. like a la- you, the place you can shop is mm-hmm. Kmart, you don't need to feel no. guilty that like it's not. You, it's amazing. They have sustainable options. Exactly but, right. Because I feel like it's really hard to even I don't know it's crazy now the pressure of like you walk in there I'm like oh my god I should be shopping more sustainably mm-hmm. and like am I bad for the environment now and it's no do you know what I will say if you have time um yeah my sweet spot is what I call like living life in the ish okay 
this came to me in that um, my last relationship, I was not monogamous. I was in an open relationship and that didn't really work for me. So I read this book or this article, I can't remember now what it was. It was like an e-book thing and it was called Monogamish. That was the title. And it's this kind of, um, the premise is that 95% of your relationship is completely monogamous, but you leave 5% window open for, you know, exploration. And that's quite common in the queer world. It's less co- common in the sister sort of het world. But I was like, they're onto something because I think we feel so much pressure to be all things. You know, I watch a documentary on, um, you know, meat, for example, and then I feel like shit and I feel guilty at myself because I'm eating meat. I need to do better. But if I aim to make these little ish changes, you know, monogamish, vegetarian ish, mm. <laughs> sustainable ish. Yes. It's all about that to me because it's actually in like it's incomprehensible that any person can be perfect. We are all flawed. Mm. For whatever reason, we can't be all things to all causes. But if you actually make a million small adjustments in your life, it's those micro adjustments that actually make the world a better, more aware, more like empathetic world. I always say to people, I don't expect anyone to understand what non-binary means, but if you can just do the ish, if you can just use my pronouns, that would mean the world to me. I don't need you to understand it, but just like respect me as a person. That's all I need. I'm not asking you to like, you know, burn the rules of gender away. So similarly to your audience, if you are feeling like, you know, people are very scared of saying the wrong thing, Mm -hmm. like we're all human, we all fuck up. Be accountable, apologise, do better. Mm. But, you know, I think the fear often is what holds people back. I hear people say, I'm too scared to talk to you now because I don't want to stuff up your pronouns. I don't want you to not talk to me. Come and talk to me. So similarly, people might be scared of sustainability or they might be scared of any kind of um, really important movement. But the fear shouldn't hold you back because you can't you can't do everything perfectly. Anyway, mm. I could talk about that all day. Mm. I, lo- I know. I think that's so powerful. And I always go by the saying, do what you can with what you have. And that is all that you can do. It's like with exercise, what we were just saying before. Yeah. I was saying to Laura, like, I have such a weird relationship with keeping up a PT routine. And I'm like, I just need something that's not going to make me feel guilty, um, which is why I'm going to join kick. Uh, so, you know, you know, I need something that where I can be like sporty-ish. It's yes. all about the ish yes. for me. Yeah. I love that. Mm. And what a way to finish. Thank uh-huh. you so much, Denny. I've enjoyed this conversation with uh, It's so funny. When when we um, we met for the first time, I was Today, like, yeah. did we just meet? Because <laughs> I feel like I, I, know. I know you from following you on know. social media, but this has been an, an absolute joy mm. and a pleasure to listen right to. So you. thank you so much. My pleasure. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed that chat as much as we did. We'll put Danny's Instagram handle in our show notes. We will be back next week with another KickPod episode. We promise there won't be as much background noise <laughs> in that one. We're back in the studio. <laughs> if you would like to see more of us, you can head to www.keepitcleaner.com. As Laura mentioned earlier in the podcast, you can sign up and enjoy a seven-day free trial with Kick if you're interested. If you'd like to see more of us on other social media platforms, you can find us on Instagram at Keep It Cleaner, at Laura.Henshaw and at Steph Claire Smith. But as I mentioned earlier, we'll be back in your ears next week. Bye!